What's up, dudes? Hey, guys. I'm Tobes. I'm Jesse. And we're the host of Worst, Worst Contact, Contact, a show for aliens by humans, where we discuss every aspect of human life, such as death, life, juggalos, cats, LARPing, art, war, athleticism with world's greatest athlete, Action Ronnie Glibson. That's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, we keep it fun, we keep it goof, we never script it, and we always have a good time. But don't bring the kids along, because we say naughty words. All on MachineCulture.com. Peace! You stumble across a very intelligent podcast listener. What do you do? Uh, I ask if they've ever heard of desks and day jobs. Roll for insight. Oh, they haven't, and they yes. want to know more. I tell them Destined Day Jobs is a D&D podcast that takes the humdrum life of four office workers and injects it with magic, adventure, and hilarious antics. All right, roll for perception. Yes. Oh, that's, uh, they're definitely interested. Uh, I grab their phones and subscribe them to Destined Day Jobs on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Machine Culture website. Roll for sleight of hand. Oh, that's a critical hit! Yeah. You're subscribed. Do they have a dog? Uh, can the dog listen to the podcast? Uh, yeah. Roll for animal handling, I guess. Well, that doesn't work. Uh, uh, but they're still interested in destiny day jobs. Yeah. 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 Desks and day jobs. Now part of the Machine Culture Collective. Huzzah! Impress me with music podcast. In the history of the world. Hey, I'm Dave. I'm Mary, and I'm a little bit of country. I'm a little bit of rock and roll. I'm a little bit of hype beat. I'm a little bit of chill wave, man. I'm a little bit of drill. Prop, prop, prop. I'm a little bit of horrorcore. Yo soy un poquito canción. I'm a little bit of grunge. I'm a little bit of trap trap. I'm a little bit of disco. I am spoken word. I'm a little bit of electro pop. Find us on iTunes on the Machine Culture Podcast Network. Impress me with music, bitches. Nom nom nom, motherfuckers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What are we eating? We're eating a gently aged copa with some manchego cheese. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Oh maybe it's so good, yummy yummy. So this is uh, Johnny Cash uh, live from Folsom Prison. Why why were you listening to this? We're going to talk about live music. I think it sucks. I think it's great. I think it epitomizes the personality of an artist. I think it's an experience. I think it's lots of crazy shit. But this is the live episode. We're going to listen to our favorite live song. We're going to dissect 
the whole concept of live albums and all that shit. But uh, first we've got um, we got some new segments we're trying to we're trying to make work these days. So let's. Um, I love that seamless transition. Yeah. <laughs> um, mean, so. What's been, uh, you know, what's going, what's going on in the world of uh, music right now? Oh man, boy, are we seamless. Yeah, I should have <laughs> left the music on. It's better when this plays in the background. I disagree. It sounds like NPR. I feel like this is the beginning of the debate already here. Yeah, um, I think live music sucks. You like it. State your case. State my case? Whoa, you're really making me jump in here. Um, I think, like... I think you're viewing live music from a pretty, like, singular lens. Um, I think, to me, some of my favorite recordings of all time are actually kind of live sessions. So, I mean, I think the Peel sessions are a a pretty fucking epic uh, piece of music history. John Peel, if you don't know, was... Thanks for the birthday. You're welcome. He was a BBC disc jockey. Uh, and he had live sessions with everybody from like the Beatles to Interpol, and I actually stumbled upon him when I was a huge Interpol fan. And if you're doing live right and you're recording it in the right space, then I, I really think like you're able to capture a moment in time without all of the uh, production and tricks of you know something that's been polished in the studio. I think it's ultimate expression live music to me is ultimate expression that's why people want to go to these fucking concerts and dance around in the jungle and whatever you what know, jungle in, are you in their talking? jungle clothes i don't know i'm watching you it sounds like here. you're saying something racist <laughs> no um okay so let me let me say this Here, here's why i don't like live music and I need, I need to preface this by saying our first date our first kiss was at a concert okay and i cherish that memory however that concert was shitty when we reflect back on it, we go, wow, what a wonderful evening, but what a shitty concert. Okay, it was a shitty concert. We saw Freddie Gibbs live at Talia Hall on 420. That's right, 420 is our dating anniversary. Very cool. But, I mean, even though he sucked and was pretty drunk and really could not remember He any gave of, fried chicken to the audience. He did, which was fucking cool of him. That's what, like, my it's that's uh, That sounds like what my Aunt Peggy thinks happens at rap concerts. I know, I know. Okay, but even as shitty as that concert was, we had an emotional moment there. We'll never forget it. A live concert is an experience. And even a live album allows you to kind of revisit that moment. All right, let me state my case. You, I you feel like you've already it. stated I haven't stated it. Case. Listen to this. You, Listen to this and shit. The whole time I was stating my case, you were like in your phone and giving me giving me weird side uh, eye. You made me nervous. I'm doing research. Um, so live music is um, regressive. It's like people who drive a stick shift, okay? We figured out a better way to make the car. You know, if you drive a stick shift, you're a fucking hand job, okay? If you listen to live music recorded on an album, when recording studios exist in fucking production and all that shit is around, you are um, wasting the technology that exists. Uh, uh, I'm not done. Second of all, live music, if they're just like playing the hits and they're playing them shittier. Like, for example, the worst live musician of all time, Bob Dylan, Okay. Bob Dylan fucking sucks live, but his recordings are very good. 
Okay, he's in the studio. He's fucking coming up with his shit, mastering it, making it sound the best possible way. Beatles, for instance, stopped performing live, I think in like 1967. They were like, we're just a studio band now. This is the true form of the music, right? We have recorded music. You know, I get why you would go to a concert, but I don't get why you would listen to a live album. Okay, great. So let's clarify this. What we're really talking about is live albums, but I have to defend live music. My one thing that I will agree with you on is I hate when people overhype any live music show. Like, we talked about this, and to me, this is one of the big points. I don't do, like, $200 music, $300 music tickets anymore. I just don't fucking do it. One, my back hurts too much. Yeah. Like, to stand all day for, like, three days at a festival. But I fucking love concerts in the park. Uh, I'll dig with one of the Marley Brothers at Naperville Rib Fest. (laughs) Okay. Um, I love those kind of impromptu moments. Like, there was this great time when I was pregnant, and Dave and I were walking around Lincoln Square... And we stumbled upon a fucking Cuban, like, six-piece band just playing in the middle of the square. There were a bunch of families out. It was, like, just this gathering moment. So I think live music is really powerful when you don't put all this pressure on it. And the recording of it, in that sense, can help bring back that memory or can really show off artistic personality. But more often than not, you're probably in the right by saying that a lot of it's garbage. Well, and look, you know, you're you're a comedian, you're a performer. Um, you understand as much as I do that a lot of time those little moments are accidents, and and we're really sort of like paying homage to happenstance when we're like, oh man, remember that's the best part of this album when Jimi Hendrix is tuning his guitar because he's too fucking drunk to have his guitar tuned. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yuck. Sure, right. but, but if there wasn't that live recording, then you would never stumble upon the happy accident. And every once in a while, I do think that the live stu- like the live session of a song is the best. And we're going to look Well, every at- once in a while, you're wrong. All right. My husband is very aggressive tonight. Thank you, David. Mm, yeah, mm. I'm aggressive. Uh-uh. Before we talk about live music, let's talk a little bit about... The second I try to go into earlier... Oh, we're going to do this? <laughs> what was that podcast you were saying? We're being very married couple tonight. If that's yeah, the it's dynamic, as fuck. If that's the dynamic that you're into, this is the episode for you. Yeah, this is a real portrayal of marriage, okay? We don't agree on everything, such as live music and when to enter segments. Correct, Amundo. <laughs> um, okay. Ding, 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 ding. So, last week in music, what, um, what, what, what happened, Mary? Let's go through the bullet points here. Um, 420 flops, what's 420 that? 420 flops. Man, a lot of people thought it would be a cool idea to release an album on 420 because it's that weed day, and those albums, at least the ones I listened to, were flops. Let's talk about Riff Raff's Alcoholic Alligator. Every single track on there is trash. Uh, Album cover, almost kind of cool, but also pretty bad Photoshop. Um, I don't even know if it's worth playing a, a snippet of something on here, but... You could have made it on GarageBand the first time that you, 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 oh, gave, you yeah. gave it a go. It was, uh, I mean, real garbage, such that the Reddit thread had like less than 100 comments. I know, that's on the, it, the like, most like a, a week thing. later. I was trying to see if other people were in agreement with me, and people were just like, did anyone even know that Riff Raff released an album? I mean, he's in, he's in some weird, weird straits right now. 
not even worth looking into. Real, real letdown. Uh, J. Cole's KOD. Yeah, why? Okay, so when I was the show that I was just at where I was doing sound, um, that guy, till he had been listening to uh, KOD, and um, when I tapped his phone into the speakers, and he was just like, oh man, this album is like so good. And it's like, what are you fucking high? Like, it's. It sucks. It fucking it's, sucks. It's I don't know what to say. It fucking sucks. It's barely listenable. Who who has the time? All right, Gore Vidal, t- dial it back for a second. Who has the fucking time to listen to J. Cole? You got Drake. Why do you need J. Cole? It's the same feel, way I feel about Jason Mraz and John Mayer. Why would you listen to Jason Mraz? You have John Mayer. You can just repeat the songs. You know what I mean? I don't fucking get why people's obsession with J. Cole. He made like three or four good songs. He's so fucking full of himself. He's annoying. He really is song by song palatable. Even 2014, whatever, Forest Hill Drive, even that yeah. in itself, I, it's his best album f- far and above, but it's still difficult to palate. And then recently he released a live version of that album because he can't write a new good album. Dave, you are on fire tonight. What the fuck do you want me to say? I mean, he's, he's, I don't like him. I don't like no, J. Cole. He's, he stinks. He, he sucks. Who who else? There was someone else you, you listened to that was a 420 flop. Oh, uh, yeah. This was very that disappointing. I, that I sent your way. Uh, Bodega Bams, right? Yeah. So, speaking of, like, song by song, Bodega Bams dropped one verse, which I think is epic. That verse in um, Bring Him Out. Oh, and that's put, the Flatbush Zombies track. Yeah, I put it yeah. on the Flatbush Zombies episode. It's on the playlist. Um, he... Really fucking brings it on that verse. And just to listen to him, you know, have the space to stretch out and create a whole album. Yeesh. It is just that verse stretched out over an entire album. Was, was it better had he uh, kept it tight? Really, really not, really yeah. not, not, not spread his wings? Uh, yeah, I He think probably so. wasn't ready to do a whole album. Uh, he had a whole career of features before he really should have released an album is kind of how I feel about it. I just had such high hopes for him. Yeah, it's a bummer. I like it. You know what I do? Honestly, I there's two types of rappers when I just read their like Wikipedia page that I want to like them. One is if they're from a place very random, uh, like Portland or okay. um, uh, uh, Boston. Do you know what I mean? The other thing is when they're a New York rapper that brings it because New York is the birthplace of rap music, but it's kind of lost its footing. You know what I mean? So... You hear like Bodega Bams and Flatbush Zombies, you're like, man, these fucking New York rappers are like taking it back. You know, like Action Bronson, um, fucking, uh, who else, who are there other like good, like current New York rappers? Um, uh, I don't know, man. I'm yeah. not, I'm not able to think. Mayhem Lauren put out an album that's I really good. I can't think that far right now. I mean, there are so many, but names aren't coming into my head. It's Mr. Motherfucking Esquire Heems is a New York rapper. You know, there are good current New York rappers. Sure. But I don't know. That's not what this tangent's about. Yeah, I went off on a tangent. Here. All right, let me let me let me bring it back in. Um, we'll talk about some people that died this week, aka that one guy that died, Avicii. Uh, we have little to nothing to say about his uh, contribution to music at large, except that all the Russian cool kids that rejected me back in uh, high school really liked him. That's about all I can say. Yeah, he was found dead in Oman, in Muscat, Oman. What a place to die. I mean, he really, he, he went far away for that Do one. Do you know any of his music? Like, No, I feel like it's like club music. I feel like that's that's about it. I can't even tell you like if it's house music or, or, or really much else about Avicii. But 
This is, this is, I'll play a little, a little snippet here. From your phone, you're going to do one of those phone jams? Let's, let's, let's hear this. Uh, rest in peace, Avicii. Here we go. What the fuck is this? Oh, he made this? This fucking sucks. Oh, man. Uh, this is bad. Is this a new thing of his? No, there's no new thing. He's dead. Oh, well, you know what I meant. I hate this. Let's see what else here. Speaking of shit you can make on GarageBand, and you know what? I'm glad the world is red of one more fake DJ. Because the art of cutting up tracks, that's like hard. That's a, that's a real shit. Oh, one of my students just submitted a paper. Oh, hell yeah. Well, you want to read that one live on air? Nah. Um, All right, I'm really sorry to everybody. I'm going to open up this chocolate bar because, you know... I need a little treat. I gotta treat myself. Let's get into it though. So let's get back to live. Yeah. That, that that's what we're fucking talking about here. We open up with Folsom Prison Blues, which we can all agree is a badass live track. Why is it so fucking good? Why why do you agree with it? Okay. Two reasons. Number one, he wrote it for that performance. So I love if a live song is um, only happens one time, then I fucking love it. You know what I mean? Like, one of the songs I'm going to play, uh, you know, when it's my turn to play a song, it's like that. Um, Folsom Prison Booze was written to play in Folsom Prison, and two, it's the setting. I mean, we fall asleep to Lock Up or The First 48 every night, and for some reason, Johnny Cash thought, these people ought to be entertained, and God bless him for that. He went to a prison, he played a concert. You know, it's the setting is, I mean, like, it's fucking timeless. I mean, you, you listen to that record, and I literally think, when these people are shouting out, I'm like, holy shit, this is like a bunch of dudes in prison in fucking jumpsuits. There's guys standing around with shotguns to make sure they don't get out of line. Oh, hell yeah. This is truly punk rock at its core. And I, I agree, Folsom Prison Blues is, is a really badass song. Um, I kind of, I want to jump into my first track of the night. Oh, I'm super excited about this one. Before I get into it, though... I just want to say that um, a lot of the songs you're going to hear tonight were crowdsourced. Yeah. Uh, Dave had, you know, one of the few Facebook statuses of his that gets any love. It got 20 likes, but like 50 comments. Right. So we were basically trying to ask people, like, how they feel about live music and really what are the best fucking live albums. And a lot of people submitted a lot of trash. We'll talk about the rejects later. But, um... This was suggested by a good friend of ours, Rachel McCartney, that we take a look at this Talking Heads album, and uh, here's my favorite track off it. is that it really shows how fucking good that they're as good if not better live than they are professionally recorded which a lot of people can't say 
Yeah, this is pretty tight for live. Oh, it's super tight. And I listened to the whole album, and to me, this was... And I like the Talking Heads, but I actually like this more than uh, their studio recording stuff. Something about, about this version of Heaven, to me, has like so much fucking feeling. You know, I, I'm, I always like to talk about the heart and soul of songs, mostly because I... I'm not that knowledgeable sometimes, so I cover up with my emotions. But I really do. There's a lot of feeling in this track so, for me. So listen to this. This is kind of interesting. The venue they play at, it's the Pantanges Theater in uh, Hollywood on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, which uh-huh. is like the intersection of Hollywood. Oh, fuck yeah. So here's what's kind of interesting. It was a vaudeville theater, but during the Great Depression, they struggled to sell vaudeville tickets. So they switched to a movie theater, which... To me, sort of epitomizes what the Talking Heads is. Because the Talking Heads, if they had been born 20 years earlier, they would have been a fucking folk band. But they were born to this age where technology started infiltrating music, and they just incorporated it. They're like like true musicians, you know what I mean? They incorporate technology, they don't rely on it. Like, Kesha is not like a real musician. Right. And that's why they're so fucking good live. Okay. I mean, to me, this is... I've heard a lot of versions of this song. This one really is my favorite, so shout out to Rachel McCartney. Yeah, that was a good pick, actually. I think she made a really good uh, choice. I mean, there were a lot of albums to sift through. Man, God, people, so many. people said some real junk. Yeah, and I want to focus on one album that was brought up several times. Frampton Comes Alive by Peter Frampton. If you like, if you like Peter Frampton, you are a fucking knob, okay? It's boring. There's so like, little else to say about it as other than this has definitely been done before. In, in the parts of it that haven't been done before, so what? He's talking through his guitar? Who gives a shit? Oh. Do you feel like I feel? Also, his two biggest songs, um, I Love In The Way, whatever, and Do You Feel, whatever the fuck he says. Those two songs are the same fucking song. Yeah, Playing back to back. He's got, there's nothing going on with his life. I hope he dies. I honestly, I wish Avicii was still alive and Peter Frampton was dead. Okay. All right, Dave. I love you. You're real aggressive. You took a little too much tea today. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? Uh, where are you at? What's your What's your next track? So I'm gonna start big. I'm gonna play mm-hmm. my favorite live song of all time. Wow, we're we're gonna blow your load. No, I like to start strong. That's mm-hmm. how you stay in the pocket. So. This that's is my. Right, by the way, now we're eating chocolate, organic chocolate. We got a lot of sponsors, uh, food sponsors on the show. Today. Yeah, you want to read one of those sponsorships? Mm-hmm. Um, Hammond's Grasshopper Pie, for fat, hungry whores. Oh wow! How about that? Well. Tonight's musical guest to Chicago's finest MC, give it up for Common and Kanye West. Cause I got to get Uh oh, uh oh Alright, so Hold up That was so good Yeah I'm so glad you picked a song from Chappelle Show Because Chappelle Show was one of the first um, 
like pieces of culture that really introduced me to rap music on a whole different level beyond mainstream. Yeah, you would have been in middle school when the Chappelle show came. Oh yeah, I still will never forget when a uh, Y Club John went on there and did "If I Was President." Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, um, and then, then we got Obama. You know what's so weird is uh, Chappelle's show because of that sketch with Questlove and John Mayer. I like John Mayer a little bit because of that. Oh, I'm like, right, yeah. he can't, he can't be that bad. I mean, fucking Dave Chappelle likes him, you know? Oh yeah, he he owns that he's a douchebag. Um, so here's what I love about this: a couple of things. So this was, I don't know if you remember this, the the way how they recorded this. They set up a set that looked like a kitchen on the Chappelle show stage. And they performed it live. No hype man. Nobody picking up, like, you know, rappers a lot of times will use a hype man because you lose your breath when you're rapping. None of that. Common handles all this shit. The DJ's on point. Um, he mentions Jim's. Shout out Jim's. Uh, my favorite hot dog place in Chicago. I love Jim's. I went there when I was nine months pregnant and got... So much love from all the all the cracked out people. Yeah, if you um, are pregnant and single and you, you're like, man, no one will be with me, go to gyms in the middle of the night. People will still hit on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got hit on gyms when I was like, when I, the weekend of our wedding when I brought our friends in the town and went to gyms. I behind the counter was like, I'll still take care of you and that kid. It was great. I love gyms. The assumption is if you're going to gyms, a hot dog stand uh, at night, you must be in dire straits. Um, so good, though. So, um, the samples, uh, Sam Cooke, Sam Cooke is like, maybe all, like one of my all time favorite singers. There was a Sam Cooke album in Suggestions and while he didn't make it into our playlist today, I'm, that was a really good one. There was, yeah, I just knew I would like Sam Cooke. So I was like, I wanted to find something that was kind of outside of my realm and, uh, I struck out. So I don't know. Um. Between those two songs, I mean, The Food is my favorite live song, so I gotta go with my pick. I mean, I love that track. There's, I, I have nothing to hate on. I actually should keep listening to it, and I kind of want to dance around to it. <laughs> Except that I ate all that fat whore chocolate, so really aggressive copy on that. Yeah, wow, for fat whores. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Trader Joe's, tone it, it down. Yeah, it was a $6 chocolate bar. You'd, you'd expect something a little classier. Yeah, you ain't gonna call us names. <laughs> All right, so um, you want to say anything before we play your next song? I don't even know what I picked anymore. Let's just play it. I can't seem to land on the triangle. Uh, We get another 30 seconds because I burped. Oh, excellent. Good guitar player. He's so See, you're you're not like a guitar player, but I I, I think it's crazy that he's switching in between finger picking and strumming. I mean, he, and he's singing at the same time. He's talented. He's a talented man. To me, well, we should say what this song is. Oh, right. This is Angelus by Elliot Smith. And it's um, off 
the expanded edition of Either Or. This is a live version of this track, obviously, hence the whole fucking episode. But, and I played Elliot Smith before on the show, but I, I really love him, and he really does epitomize emo to me. And now that we're like in some crazy emo revival where, where hip hop is a piece of it, and I don't think he was called emo back in the day. This, this was pre yeah. us putting that label and stuff. But kind of like the Talking Heads track, I actually I like this live version more than I like the studio recording. And it is for that extra layer of uh, a feeling and imperfection in the song while still being so fucking technically sound. I like the breathiness for this in, in, in this case. I like hearing those those slight transitions. And it is because he's a really good fucking musician, you know? Live can be really annoying if you're not a great musician. Yeah. That's and, true. And that and is I, the I, problem. I think ultimately that's the crux. Like this, you can't argue with how clean this is, even though it's live. Same with the talking heads piece. Like it's because he's excellent. Yeah, no, you, you know what? You, I, I, I did not think you were going to convince me, but I am getting a little convinced, I'll be honest. He's he's good. And just like the Talking Heads thing, you know, it's good. Like, it's it's like, if you are, the, honestly, you know what it is? It's a, like a nut check. Like, are you a true musician? Right. And, and that's what it is. And that's why I think on some level, there is a little bit of like, um, it is a little masturbatory, like if you know you're a good musician and you know you can make a live album, but to me it packs like just a little bit more feeling if you are good enough to do it. Not everyone's good enough to do it. Most of them do suck shit. And I'm gonna like, I'm pretty excited about my last track because I've got a lot to say about a whole, the whole other realm of live albums, even shit ones that I love. But I think when you're a master, this is a way to kind of like flex Sure. Shit. All right. Well, uh, my live, my second live song, um, this album actually came out like last week. Um, so this is a, a full album was done. Uh, well, let's play it. Let's, let's just start this on. 20 years in the making. This is Nas with the National Symphony Orchestra. They redid all of Illmatic. I'm talking right now because there's... I don't want to burn our 30 seconds on this. There's no way. This, to me, is such a crazy concept. Uh, a buddy of ours who was actually on our Oh, yeah, Tony from episode, last episode. Um, I think bought this album, right? He might have. He's the one who told me about it. Yeah. Um, I think we got this at Record Store Day. Shout out to that. That's right, you're right, you're absolutely right. That's another thing that happened uh, in the last week. What is that? It's like when a bunch of record stores do like deals and everyone's supposed to go. It's, I don't know, some record store appreciation shit. You gotta stay in it. You can't can't back off. It's some record store appreciation stuff. See, we have like 200 records and never listen to them. Never. Yeah. We're always like, yeah, we'll put one on. People come over. No, the record spins outside. It's like smaller. Listen to this fucking. He's rambling on. What a fucking twat. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, last time I saw him live with uh, 
when I was like 16. I don't know why they made Nas all ages. It was, it was a pretty crazy environment. But I shouldn't have called him the T word. That was me. No. Nice, Here we go, finally. I would 100% watch the set Millennium Park. Absolutely. This needs to be a concert in the park. You know, it's weird you say that. I actually saw him perform this at Millennium Park, sort of, because he did this album... For Lollapalooza, not with the orchestra, though. Fuck Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. It's I extra. Would, I would only go if I had extra, extra money. So, like, go sit in, like, the air-conditioned tent while, like, someone rubs my feet and, like, feeds me a protein bar. Um, yeah, I mean, here's, here's the thing, right? This is a one-time thing, right? Yeah, this is just a cool concept. It was full of children, probably couldn't see as high as I be. I love that. So what you say? Yeah. Um, yeah. This to me sounds like it could be a soundtrack on like a James Bond movie because of the or- orchestral like backing on it. Yeah. I gotta imagine the people that work for the National Symphony Orchestra are like, easiest day of work ever. Right, right. Not a lot of complexity that I think you're yeah. having to play. Yeah. All right. You want to bring up your next, your final song? Holy shit. My final song. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's good. We're doing an episode where we're getting, oh, we're packing a lot in. Before you bring up your final song, I just want to say one thing about this Nas album, Do which it. is definitely worth mentioning. So, because I, I, I'm like saying like, oh, I like like the studio shit and everything better than the live uh, recording, but people say that this Nas album, Illmatic is the album that destroyed rap albums. Because prior to this album, and this is still true with rock and roll to this day, one producer produces the whole album. Okay? And I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, the story was DJ Premier was going to record this entire album, but he was busy. So he's like, I'll send you some songs. And then, you know, other people started sending him songs. And then he had his, like, dad play on a song. You know what I mean? His dad is a trumpet player. Do you know what I mean? And then it all kind of gets stitched together, and that's when rap becomes about the track, not about the the whole thing. Because if you remember, we watched that history of uh, hip hop thing. It was this block party thing. It was very live oriented. You know, it was samples that ran on for way too long, and people figuring out where the groove was, where the break beat was. And this album is kind of what destroyed all that. Right. And made it very clean. And he's like a gangster rapper, but very crisp, very pristine production when all is said and done. I kind of love it. Sure. All right, so sorry to cut you off. You were about to introduce the, your no, final that story. That is the nature of our love. You cut me off at every every intersection that you can, don't you, Dave? Yes, and you literally cut me with a knife when I cross you. That is true. Small cuts. Yeah, small cuts. Nothing on the face, you know. <laughs> Things you can cover at work. All right. <laughs> all right, so... Um, um, okay, so my last track requires some prefacing. Okay. Um, so this is a Walk on the Wild Side live version by none other but Lou Reed on that live album, Take No Prisoners. Mm. I'm going to tell you guys that this is a 16-minute long track. 
Well, we will not be listening to the whole thing. We will not be listening to the whole thing. I'm not even really sure when the music kicks in or kicks out or if he just starts ad-libbing. But to me, this is kind of live taken to that most obnoxious level. And if we didn't bring a piece of that in to this episode, we wouldn't be doing live justice. So let's let's start it since there's going to be... So Lou Reed, famous heroin addict... Kind of, Lou Reed's kind of famous for not being a good musician. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he's not. And I kind of love the first 30 seconds here. Hold on, hold up. We had some kind of a nut here the other night, man. I mean, there's no place to put the fucking glass, so like, I put it on the floor because I didn't want to get the fucking Yamaha piano dirty because, of course, that's fucking nuts. There's a lunatic out there who comes after shuffles. I want to talk to that fucking Reed, man. Why did he throw a cup at this roadie? Five cops and he hits a cop. Can you... Right, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. He doesn't want to get the Yamaha, so expensive, five cops. Lou Reed is, like, that guy that you're just waiting to watch him get thrown out of a bar. That's how he's opening this track. And Lou Reed, he's just, like, talking. He's just like, ah, you know, I don't live that far from here. He just talks too much. And this is actually one of the pitfalls of live music. Like, when you go and you see that weird local band and they do, like, 18 minutes between songs. Yeah. One of the best live shows I ever saw was actually the Pixies in Kansas City. And it was like, they were coming back to basically play all their hits, and they just fucking played straight. Frank Black never said a word. Well, who did we see? Kim Deal just would announce the next song. Then, you know, they'd all make eye contact and they'd fucking go. And they just played all of Doolittle and then a fuck ton of B-sides. And at first I was like, man, I want to hear them talk. But this, this is kind of like when live goes crazy. And there is a piece of this that I love. This weird ad-libbing. Because here's a moment in history where you see Lou Reed for who he really was. Which is a real fucking schmuck. Yeah. Uh, Up his ass, arrogant moron. Yeah. This was recorded in uh, 1978 at the Bottom Line in New York, which is in Greenwich Village. Um, um, apparently, when he's talking right now, he's explaining the origin of Walk on the Wild Side. Um, music critic Robert Criscow praised this uh, banter here. Um... Okay, whenever you hear a band play their live song and it sounds nothing like it sounds like on the album, I think in my head, does this guy know at all what this song sounds like? He probably didn't write it. Like, listen to this. This doesn't sound, this is not Take a Walk on the Wild Side. That's not what this is. No, this isn't. This is a, a master, but Lou Reed masturbatory, whatever. I'm going to pause it. Because no, no, no. We got we to gotta get something here. We, we've given the audience no feeling about this song whatsoever because this Jagoff is just talking let's just skip ahead let's see when he really gets into it oh my god I'm 7 minutes in and he's still fucking talking 10 minutes in 
12 minutes in. Unless you go to Chinatown, they bite your nose off. Unless you go to Chinatown, they bite your nose off. This is 14 minutes in. Sixteen minutes in. Okay. So he does not actually play the song, I think is what we discovered on the recording. How can anyone say oh. Well, she shaved her legs, now she was a he. Or whatever. Um, um Yeah. But that did remind me of a com a live comedy album that you and I actually really love. And it's oh, yeah. Andrew Dice Clay's The Day the Laughter Died. And there's also this weird nonsense point where he makes up a bit a bit that is total garbage. Well, so let me let me say this. If you're not familiar with the um uh The Day the Laughter Died, um I was gonna say Lou Reed. Um Andrew Dice Clay shows up at Dangerfields in New York. Rick Rubin produces it, and they record him just riffing for like four hours, and they chop it up into an album, and I mean, it is... Offensive. It is so offensive, but, you know, I mean, come on, grow up. You know, um, it's like, you gotta know that before you listen to it, because if you listen to it and you think that this is like a good album, you're not really gonna appreciate it. Like, you gotta understand, like, that he's just... Pulling shit out of his ass and he has no idea what it's gonna be. So uh, let's let's play a little bit of it. So look, I've had a great time here tonight. This is You've him. Been a and phenomenal crowd. Yeah. Good night. By the way, there's like six people in the audience yeah, see, at this point. He's it. walked most of the room. You know, this could take anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> could be a minute, could be a half hour, or an hour. Back. <laughs> Get it? Hour back. Call you back in an hour. Back. Get it? <laughs> so we could do this fast, or we could do it in an hour. Back. <laughs> I love this. I don't know. He's oh, yeah, now so good. Back. Get it? He really I'm never back. is able to channel this again. Get it? He really is never I'm able back. to channel this again. So when we talk about I'm live, back. I think it's more than even music. Like, to, to me, I'm I really back. thought of this album and, and when we listened to it. And then we I'm tried back. listening to, like, The Day the Last or Died 2 or whatever. Yeah. And, man, is that really hard yeah, to palette. Because... This was the moment, and it got captured. This, to me, is Andrew Dice Clay's greatest hits. Oh, yeah. Like, because it's none of the bullshit of the hickory dickory doc. Like, he actually makes fun of that throughout this album, where people are trying to get him to do the nursery rhymes or whatever. Yeah, he's and, like, I don't do it at that anymore, yeah. Yeah, and so to me, this is him, like, personified. It's perfect. And nothing else before really or after that is able to capture it like this captured it with you know like Rick Rubin at the helm like this is fucking perfecto all right so this that that's that's my that's my piece all right on these, on these two I kind of did a, a duo so um I uh I'm gonna close with um a song that uh was recommended so that I 
Clark Jones, a comedian in New York, um, recommended that I listen to The Roots Come Alive, I think is the name of the album. Um, and it was recorded in 1999, which was like the best period. Like th- that was right around when um, <coughs> Things Fall Apart came out. Which, I mean, they, they made other good music after Things Fall Apart. I mean, I hate to just, like, boil a band down to one album. But it's such a good album. I mean, it's such a fucking good album. And the first song, the first true song on the album is this song, The Next Movement. And they open their show with it. So we're going to close. Well, we're not closing. But I'm ending my playlist with an opening song. us on iTunes. Give us a five-star uh, rating. Um, I don't care what you write in the comment. You have to write a comment. You can say that you hate the sound of my voice and my wife seems like an uptight bitch. I don't care what you say. Yeah, you can say whatever you want to say. Or say something nice. I don't know. Say something nice. Like us um, on Facebook. Uh, impress me with music. Um, like Machine Culture, because I don't know why they put up with us, but they're, they're awesome. So thanks for even supporting that much local stuff, you fucking artisans. Shout out Richard. Can't pronounce your last name. Knuzik. Um, what do you think of this? I mean, this is great. This is a good, um, this is a good kind of exploration of the roots. I'm just pulling up your Facebook status. I want to thank a bunch of people for all their shitty ideas. Alright, while you're looking that up, um, I, I'll just say this. When rappers perform with bands, it's always terrible, except for Outkast, because their music lends itself very well to being created live, and The Roots, which create their music live. Oh yeah, and The Roots are awesome like that. Um, some albums we didn't get a chance to, but for sure are, are super tight. Uh, you know, Britney Tillander, thanks for the recommendation on Nina Simone's albums. Lots of awesome stuff there. You know, we could only pick kind of six tracks to showcase here, but duh, it's super tight. Uh, Mike Myers and Zach Peterson get over Neil Young already, for fuck's sake. Charlie Burgos, you are right. Aretha Franklin is a... Is a that is great. That, I, put a, I put some stuff on that playlist, yeah. The Aretha Franklin album is great. To the guy that in all earnest tried to get us to listen to a Linkin Park live in Texas album, you can go fuck yourself. Um, you know who's not live in Texas? The lead singer of Linkin Park. Oh, boy. Uh, the Roots Come Alive, I think we're going to get a time to play that. Uh, that this is that right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, Rudy Schultz, Tom Waits' is Glitter and Doom. That's cool. I like Tom Waits. I'm sure it's good, but he kind of just sounds the same to me live or not and live. Tom Waits. Um, I, 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 no, fuck Stevie Ray Vaughan. I get it, Pearl Jam had, I listened to too much Pearl Jam from my mom, uh, and Joe Herman also backed Stop Making Sense along with Rachel McCartney, so I'm super into that. Um, Rudy Schultz, you gave us too many bands that we didn't care to know anything about because you're really into metal, sorry about that, bud. Yeah, you're a good, you're a good guy, You're a good, you're a good guy, I don't know. Um... So Rob, countless jazz albums, very vague, but sure, a lot of good jazz <laughs> albums out there. Yeah, jazz, 
Uh, Bobby Condon, go fuck yourself with Van Morrison. This is not a Van Morrison podcast. Uh, yeah, do we sound like uh, old people that are uh, sipping uh, a moonshine? Why do you like Van Morrison? Bobby has horrible taste in music. I want to say that now and forever. Bobby Condon, comic out of New York. Really he, never played a good song in my company. No, no, no. He, he has good taste in rap music. Uh, I'm sorry if you listen to this, Bobby. Yeah, I don't give a shit what he thinks. Um, all right. Uh, and also, shout out to Tom Thakar, our, our most famous commenter on this post. Uh, no fucking way were we going to play anything from Bare Naked Ladies Rock Spectacle. I like that new apartment song. That song's good. Is that on there? Uh, I don't know. I didn't even care to look at it. Sam Priest. I mean, I, the violent femmes are fine. And, you know, a lot more people saying Frampton. This was a super long thread. Shout out to uh, Jacob Lowry for saying something about ACDC. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, you know, we're going to end on the very first album that came to my mind and an album that came in through suggestions from uh, Joe Kilgallen. Um, and this is probably my favorite live album of all time because I'm, I'm cliche as fuck, but... Uh, I love the MTV Unplugged era of music. That's where I became uh, super into music. And obviously Nirvana's Unplugged is the shit. So here we go. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you have like a, a song or a band you think that we should check out, uh, you want to hear two um, uninformed people uh, say what they think about it, Tweet me. I'm at Lake underscore Superior. Um, people have tweeted me their uh, shitty rap songs that they made themselves. Um, I guess you can keep doing that. Um, I, I don't like them, but feel free. Um, don't tweet, tweet me. I'm a mom now. I, I'd rather you didn't know my Twitter handles. But um, follow us on Instagram. We have an active Instagram. Yeah, very active. And uh, we love you. We really do. You mean a lot to us. Every one of you that listens, thank you. That's about all I can say. I don't know. Maybe we'll give away a Starbucks gift card if you just like a status or something like that, like a weird survey thing. Sure. Let's do some Let's do some analytics and trick people into doing it by giving them a Starbucks gift card. Yeah. Marketing's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> trick. No one ever gets the Starbucks gift card. Alright, uh... Any plugs? Dave's gonna be at Chicago Underground Comedy on May 1st. That's coming on up. Oh, holy shit, that's right around the corner. Um, I'm gonna be uh, in Columbus at the uh, Whiskey Bear Comedy Festival the weekend of May 19th. The weekend before that, May 12th, I will be at Cream City Comedy Festival in Milwaukee for Friday and Saturday. Both of those festivals. I'll be a dutiful wife and mother watching her child at home. Yeah, um, and my daughter's going to take her first steps uh, in a, a month, and I'm going to miss it, because I'll be at an open mic. Yep, that's Dave. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.